Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. I would give up all of the athletic achievements that I have had. I would give up the ability to perform at a high level athletically to be a musician, to have that talent and be able to do that. That's what I wish I could do. The main thing is, and I think a lot of people struggle with either asking for help or allowing people to help them, let people in. There are things that can change you, the body that you're in, the ability that you have, but it doesn't change who you are. Once a wolf, always a wolf. Hey, okay, this is not the introduction that we had originally recorded for this episode, and we thought about not releasing it in light of recent events. The weekend of June 9th, we attended a concert weekend at The Gorge, a popular music venue in rural Washington state. It was Brandy Carlisle's weekend, and we attended for three nights. We recorded this podcast on June the 13th, shortly after we got home. The Gorge hosted a music festival the following weekend called Beyond Wonderland. On June the 17th, in the Gorge campgrounds, there was a mass shooting that resulted in two deaths and three injuries. Seattle couple Jocelyn Ruiz and Brandy S. Camilla were shot and killed. These women had been together for 11 years and were recently engaged to be married. This loss is senseless. The injuries are senseless. It is maddening how... Gun violence continues to take the lives of innocent people in the United States. Our thoughts are with Brandy and Jocelyn's families, as well as the surviving victims. We wanted to acknowledge their loss, even though there are not words that are sufficient to really convey our feelings. We want to acknowledge that some of the language we use in this episode may seem off in light of this tragedy, specifically the words safe space. To us, safe space conveys more than physical safety. We want to make sure that everyone who listens to this episode knows that we know how these words sound. From what we know, the shooting was random and not targeted. A same-sex couple was killed. We speak broadly about the queer experience during Brandy's weekend. Independent of the horrific events of June the 17th, what the anti-LGBTQ movement wants the most is for us not to feel safe, to not have these places and events where we can love one another and feel loved. To not share our positive experiences feels like hiding a very important truth, and that truth is love wins. Words that Joni Mitchell said over and over during the weekend, and they are still true. So we are choosing to release this episode while acknowledging the terrible loss and suffering experienced by concert goers and family members at the very same music venue less than one week later. Okay, so we just got back from The Gorge, which, I don't know, has been like a music venue on my bucket list for a really long time. I remember the first time I heard about The Gorge was, I think it was during my like OAR days or like Dave Matthews Band. They both have live albums recorded at The Gorge. That's like when I became aware that this place was like a thing. And that was in, gosh early 2000s, probably 2003 to 2005, somewhere in there. It's like 15, 16, 17. Yeah. Like high school. I was like really into OAR in high school. I don't know. And horses or was horses before OAR? No, horses were like when I was younger. Okay. Like eight, nine, ten. And by horses, I mean horse figurines. I was also into horses, like horses, but I can only afford the figurines. So anyways, we went to the Gorge, which is in Washington State, Quincy, kind of right in like wine country, Washington. And we drove there from Fernie, British Columbia, which every time we told someone that they were like, you drove like it was this amazing. Cause I think you just say Canada and people think like the Antarctica, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God, you drove all that way. And we did. It was six and a half hours. Six and a half hours, according to Google Maps, but not with all of the pit stops and gas stops and grocery stops that we ended up having to make. It was but you pretty, gain an hour. On but the you way also, down. yeah, you also gain an hour. I forgot about the time zone crossing into Pacific from Mountain until we were like on our way, and it was like 
It felt like Christmas. Yeah. But you know what didn't feel like Christmas? Losing an hour on the way on the home. Way back. So we're going to talk a little bit about the, the gorge and our experience and all that stuff. But the gorge, if you haven't been there, which I'm assuming most people haven't, it really is kind of in the middle of nowhere. I remember we were driving in and you're literally driving through farmland and you turn off behind this gas station. And Alex was like, are we going to the right place? Like, it's that's how it feels. And then you pull up and you see all the people helping park cars. And we decided after I bought tickets to this weekend to the music sort of festival, which was Brandy Carlisle on Friday and then Brandy Carlisle and Joni Mitchell on Saturday and then Brandy Carlisle and the High Women on Sunday. So I basically bought tickets and was kind of thinking, well, I'll just get a hotel or something. And then I started looking for accommodations and realized that there was nothing there. Like nothing. There are some Airbnbs that are really high end, but those were booked already. They were gone. There's some hotels in adjacent towns, but it's not exactly like close. So you camp. That's what you do at the Gorge. And there are levels to camping. I know if you listen to like the last couple episodes, you heard us talk about camping and the truck tent, which totally wasn't even true camping. Like we had a house that was 50 meters away where we stored all of our groceries and could take a shower <laughs> and cook and yeah. poo and be able to flush a toilet for sure. So we weren't going to do. So this was booked before we had that anyways. But yeah, tent camping, not really either one of our styles. So I decided we would just rent an RV and stay in like the nicest RV parking that there is, which is the like 30 volt gold RV or something. It's called it that. So that's what we did. We rented an RV in Fernie and drove us down to Washington State. And I'm using we to be nice here. I rented the trailer. I drove it down to Washington State. And that's like a whole side I story. I was there for moral support. Yeah. There's this website that's essentially like an RV rental Airbnb type thing. So people list their their RVs. Some of them you can drive. A lot of them are trailers. And then you just you rent them like you're renting an Airbnb. Then you have to upload your license. And I guess they're just they're just operating under the assumption that you wouldn't rent a trailer RV if you weren't comfortable pulling a trailer. But I think that's putting a lot of trust into people. So I've pulled trailers. It's just been a really long time. So like the, the first part of the drive down was a little bit nervy, but then you just get used to it and it's fine. So, yeah, that's kind of how we did it. And then you have amenities. You have shower, water, you can cook your food on, you know, gas. It's kind of luxurious to be honest. I mean, okay, I'll, I'm going to admit something here, which I haven't told you until now. When you said that we were going to be parking in Gold RV, I imagined something a lot nicer than where we ended up, to be completely honest. Like, I thought there was going to be like an actual spot that was flat, that was like maybe concrete to park the RV. It was pretty, still pretty tight with all the other RVs. It was on grass. It was just, it was basically a bunch of RVs in a field. I guess gold means that we get power, which was definitely nice to have. But it was not up to the standards that I had in my head. So what would like parking on concrete have? Well, at least then it would have been flat because we were sleeping. Even when we tried to level with the wood pieces, the plywood. But I didn't think we were going to have to level our own thing with plywood pieces. That's number one. I thought we were going to like pull onto a concrete pad. Yeah. And like it'd be flat. So it's not, someone probably has, has the wrong image in their head. It's not plywood. You're talking about, like, we had, like, two by eights. Okay. It's not yeah, no, plywood skinny. Yes. Okay. Not mm-hmm. plywood. Not plywood. Plywood's what we use for handstand push-ups on the wall. Yes. Okay, so we were using two by eights to level. And two two by eights in grass doesn't actually do anything. But anyways, it was fine. It could, I mean, we went to the general camping. Did it look better than that? Yeah, it did. The general camping was much tighter. But like there was nothing else different about it. It just it was a it was still a field. It just they put people closer together and there was no power. So I guess it was pretty luxurious. And it's close. You don't have to walk as far. And the crowd's different because it's expensive. Yeah, it was very quiet where we were, which was nice because we're like old people at heart. Yeah. And we were surrounded by other old people. We were other old lesbians. It felt like homecoming. It did. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing. It's like Brandy Carlisle brings, she really had a lot of fans in the gay community. 
The whole weekend felt like a pride event. It really did. And it was Pride Month. Mm -hmm. So they celebrated that and pointed it out. And I don't know if this is just me, but I've noticed as we get farther and farther into our relationship that I am noticing how much less reliant I can be on myself and my ability to learn. Like I become more reliant on the other person. This was a prime example. And it's not even like, I don't know how to do this. Can you teach me? It's like, I don't know how to do this. Do it for me. Like, I don't even try anymore. Because what's the point? Like, if you know, just do it. I don't need to learn how to like haul a trailer. I don't want to try hauling a trailer or parking it or any of the things that you need to be able to do. I don't want to learn how to like unload the poop water out of the trailer either. You do that. So I was merely just the bystander, the passenger, if you will. But I was very proud of your capabilities. There were no incidences. It was extra special. And I think this is how we really like, we started the weekend off with a bang and we (laughs) became everyone's friends. So first off, we parked the trailer and it's too close to the trailer. Like the guy put us too close to the trailer beside us. And so one lady was like, you should move your trailer over. So we did. And we had already told the women around us who were making comments about us arriving. It was our first time and this was a rental. So when Meredith went to go move the trailer, I guess one of the ladies said to another lady, like, you better go help her. She said it's a rental. Meredith pulls the truck up with the trailer attached and starts like backing it in like a pro. And they're they're all watching, like standing in a crowd watching. And I was outside. So they were commenting like, yep. Oh, yep. She's got it. Just got to bring it back. And then Meredith kind of pulled forward again. She was like one of the ladies like, oh, she ruined it. And then they were like, hold up. And you were just like realigning. Yeah. And you basically put it exactly where you wanted to. It was perfect. And they were so impressed. So impressed. They were very impressed. Yeah. Grounds. That was how I became president of Gold <laughs> RV. And I and I pretended I I taught her everything she knows. That was a very a high pressure situation because I got in the truck and I they, I didn't have a lot of room to pull up because the other the row in front of us had started parking. So immediately I, it was like going to be one of those backing jobs where you have to like really crank it one way and then really crank it the other and hope that you've timed everything correctly. And I knew I'm like, shit, these like, you know, 50 year old lesbians who are 100 percent like probably really good at doing this who are watching me do it it felt it was like a very proud moment yeah you got out of the car and i was like good job yeah that's okay because they were literally clapping yeah (laughs) that yeah that was fun and then yeah once we got set up it was actually a pretty comfortable situation the water situation was a bit of an issue so like i'm a conservationist i don't like to use a lot of things so like I don't like to spend a lot of money. I like I'm very aware of our food situation. Like I don't want to eat everything at once. I like to save things so that you make sure you have for later. When I realized that we had a limited amount of water, I became very frugal with it. And Meredith was like making comments like, you know, we have a lot of water. You don't need to be a martyr with the water saying all these things like yeah but i also ate all the hummus on the first night. yeah you, like, did. you shouldn't listen also to yeah me. no grocery stores around and meredith like we buy what we think we need she buys hummus for her sandwiches for the and my sandwiches i'll add Look, you did for the week and she ate almost all of it in the first day she was dipping chips in it she was dipping vegetables in it she was lathering it on her sandwich like we had four things of hummus it's we good, didn't we had one it's a good protein source but also i was under the impression that you didn't like hummus you told me that once. I never would say that. Never? I don't know. I we wouldn't. haven't been eating hummus I don't this whole like time. Dill. I don't like dill. Like tzatziki, I'm like, eh. Hummus and tzatziki are very different dips. I know. Hummus is chickpea. I know. I made hummus once. And tzatziki is like yogurt with cucumber and dill and I lemon. know. But they're both Greek. Yeah. So I have been not buying hummus this whole time in our relationship because I thought you didn't like hummus. I bought hummus once. I don't remember this. Okay, whatever. You Even if it, the hummus was just for you, you ate it all in one day. Okay, I'm buying hummus. You also on. ate a lot of the chips in one day. Look, like, there's and a then reason I have why to hide them I don't you. keep chips around, and you got to witness that. Okay, so anyways, we ran out of water. That was a bummer. Uh, yeah. On the last day. The last so day. we. And we're two people who shower every single day. Like, I shower every day, sometimes twice, because I work out sometimes twice. And so 
we had gone for a run, hottest part of the day, high noon, high noon. And we go out down the gorge, like where the sun, it felt like we were in the desert. I'm super sweaty, as I always get after a run and come back and we're like, ran out of water. So I was like, okay, we'll just go shower in the pub, like in the basically the porta potty for showers. Yeah, the mobile shower. But then we kind of ran ourselves out of time because friends came over to visit. By that time, we had completely dried off. Yeah. And I was like, whatever, let's just like wipe our crevices. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't. By, and by crevice, I mean like armpits. All right. We wiped our armpits and we're, put some deodorant on. Yeah, definitely only our and armpits. And our hair actually, they it looked better than usual. As my hairdresser says, like you leave it a day and it, it creates its own hair gel. It's more voluminous and it stays. Yeah. Sometimes I leave mine a day and it like creates its own zip code though. So it really just depends <laughs> yeah. on the day. Okay. So we both looked great. Didn't, not certain on how we smelled, but it was fine. That night we got back from the concert pretty early, like 1030. And we we're like, OK, I, I think we should shower before bed. And we try to find the showers and they're locked. They had like closed the mobile showers for the evening, which I guess like maybe makes some sense. Maybe people don't tend to do that. But then we're just like walking around this like grass parking lot to all the showers trying to find one that's open. And they weren't. So then we basically went back to the RV and sort of washed again with our like, drinking water supply. <laughs> At least it was the last day. And by washed, I mean brushed my teeth. And then, yeah, I was pretty like it was a pretty like gross situation driving home yesterday, having not showered. But whatever. That's, you know how, we, like, we got the full camping okay. experience. Isn't that what camping is? Just being really dirty? Yeah. You know how when you're really hungry, you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. And it's like the only thing you can think about. But then eventually you just kind of stop feeling hungry. Yeah. That was me with my level, like my filth coming home. The day of the concert, I was like disgusted with myself in the, the evening. I almost couldn't sleep. And then the next day, it was like I had reached, I had crossed some threshold for filth that my like my brain had just recalibrated to how dirty I was. And it was like, you're fine. I even like got back to Fernie and your parents were here and had dinner without showering. I was like, no, this is my new normal. It's crazy how that works. So anyways, why don't you tell everyone what the set list who played what night and kind of what that was like? So the first night, Friday, Allison Russell opened and we had seen her at Red Rocks. Yes. And then Marcus Mumford was the second opener for Brandy Carlisle. Marcus Mumford, of course, like I've heard Mumford and Sons. And you had played this for me the day before we left, but his new album, some of the tracks on it, were very meaningful and there's really powerful stories behind them and that was it seemed watching him sing those songs live and some of his other songs like he's a great performer like he's very passionate about his music and just watching him play was very entertaining and like not entertaining like it was like really exciting it was just like wow this guy is really good at guitar like it was just him out there with his guitar like, yeah, he didn't have a band and it was so it was moving. It was really great. And then Brandy, of course, we we all know by now that we love Brandy. But every time I see her and the more I I learn about her songs and the more I listen to the lyrics, like it's just it's awesome. And watching her perform and knowing how much she loves it. It's really cool. I, I will forever love watching her live. And. She plays late. Like she goes, her sets are long. Yeah. I feel like if if she could play all night long. If there wasn't someone who's like, hey, you have to. She like really just loves being out there. Yeah. The next night. Well, best part of, uh, I mean, the, the her set on on Friday. Remember when Marcus Mumford like stayed out for her set and was playing like the bongos. Yeah. The whole, the whole set. And then that was the night that Annie Lennox and Sarah McLaughlin sort of did a surprise like. We're here. And, and Lucius you know. was there. So it was all in all, like Friday was a was we've seen a couple Brandy shows at this point, And that one was like easily number one. Yeah. I mean, when Sarah McLaughlin came on, I grew up with women in songs. If you don't know those like CDs, then I don't know what was your mom was listening to, if not women in songs. Like so much so that sometimes I'm listening to music in the gym and I put on like on Spotify women in songs because it's just like brings back all the songs I heard like. Jewel, Jan Arden, all of those great artists and those just well-known songs. And of course, Sarah is Canadian, so there's a connection there. 
Yeah, so she came on and played with Brandy, which was incredible. And then, of course, like Annie Lennox, like, again, if you've never heard a song that Annie Lennox has played, you've been hiding under a rock. She is incredible. And she came on, she's 60, I think she's like 68. She, she came on there with a bang and let her rip on her song. It was entertaining. Everyone was just killing themselves, like listening and watching and singing along. Like it was, it was surreal. Yeah. It really was. Cause you're, you, you hear these songs growing up and then you just would never imagine actually being able to see that live, see an artist like that live, see that song play live. So that was really cool for me. It was almost like, did that just happen? Yeah. So then the second night was the Joni Jam. Brandy opened with her band. Yeah. The twins. The twins. The two like, Answer off brothers. Yeah. And they were awesome. And then, of course, the best part, one of the best parts of that, of that night was when Catherine Carlisle, her wife, came on and sang three songs with her. I've wanted to see that because I think that as a gay person who struggled for a long time to see somebody who I look up to and who I feel like I connect with, which I'm sure like I'm one of millions, but whatever. I try not to think about that part. Just be up there like so out with her wife singing a love song um, that I, I I really like the lyrics and a lot of them speak to me in terms of my relationship with Meredith. And so seeing that was really cool. Catherine has a beautiful voice and she's mm -hmm. such a, she's somebody who really just, she runs the Looking Out Foundation and is her whole life is set up around giving back. I listen to sometimes in the Canyon Haze and she's on that record with Brandy, the live one. And I just really, I've always enjoyed that version of the song. So seeing that was very cool. And then I'll, I'll let you describe the Joni Mitchell situation. Right. Really, the whole reason why I bought these tickets was because she announced the, the night with Joni. And I vaguely remember this happening in 2015, but Brandy talked about it in more detail, I think maybe in her book. But essentially, so Joni Mitchell, who started making music in the like late 60s, early 70s, had a brain aneurysm in 2015 and was basically unconscious in her house for like multiple days until someone found her and then obviously went in to the hospital, had surgery. And it was one of those, I've read interviews with, the, with various medical experts who were like, most people don't survive that situation. And the fact that she did is amazing. And then the people who do survive it certainly like rarely ever regain enough function to really like live normally and return to any, you know, whatever they were doing for work or creativity. So, I mean, she was kind of off the, probably rightfully so off the grid there for a few years after that had happened. So Brandy, I guess, started making, got connected with Joni, I think actually via her wife, Catherine, made that introduction and then just started playing music at her house. Like once once a month, they would go over there and do these, they call them the Joni Jam. And that's how they had headlined and marketed the show was it's, you know, the Joni Jam. And there was going to be other artists there. And there were. So they would basically go there and sing songs for Joni. And I guess the story goes that she, you know, she had showed up with Andrew Hosier. And they had both, you know, picked carefully curated a song to sing for her and then like Shaka Khan rolls up out of nowhere and starts singing. But anyways, eventually Joni starts participating. So starts singing and her voice is much lower now. And it had already, I think, gotten a little bit lower as she got older. But the brain aneurysm really yeah, knocked her down into a new register, a very low register that makes it, if you know Joni Mitchell, you know most of her songs are quite high. So it makes singing her own music more challenging. But I guess that sort of group met and more people got involved in the Newport Music Festival last year. They had Joni came out on stage and it was a surprise. No one knew she was even there. Wasn't planning on singing. She was just going to be there on the stage. And then she started singing and had a little jam session right there at Newport. And so that's, I guess, what sort of sparked the idea to have a, do a headline show at the Gorge this year. For me, I listened to Joni, I mean, for a long time. I come from a very musical family. And I always say, like, probably people wouldn't know this about me, but like, I I love music. I love music. I would give up all of the athletic achievements that I have had. I would give up the ability to to perform at a high level athletically to be a musician, to have that talent and be able to do that. That's what I wish I could do. 
I feel like you could have had you picked a different path in life. Probably. you ha- I feel, and I, I don't know anything, but based on what I've seen, I feel like you could have gone that way. I can play instruments. My grandmother was a really great singer. She sung with like big bands. We could have formed a band together instead of Tactic. <laughs> we could have. It's whenever my family has a gathering, there's usually like you hang around for long enough and the music, like the instruments come out. That's my family. So music's been a really big part of my life for a really long time. And I remember... I mean, this is like kind of funny, but not also not funny. But it's just like a thing about me. I don't like as great as my family is. They weren't the best at dealing with emotions. I don't know why. It's just a thing. So I didn't as a, a kid and a young adult, especially when some things changed in my life when I was around 11 or 12, I didn't have language or words to understand my emotions. So I would go and kind of like seek out music. I remember hearing Joni Mitchell's song, Both Sides Now, for the first time when I was around that age, I think like 12 or 13, and just being like flabbergasted, like blown away at the message and the totality and the, you know, what I took from that song. And so that was kind of my first time really like connecting with Joni's music. And that's a song specifically that I've revisited kind of like over and over and over in my adult life, probably my favorite song of hers. A second favorite would be The River, which I think is also a really good song of hers. If you named a major event in my life, I can tell you the album that I was listening to when I was going through that, like my first breakup with a girl. I know that album. And then also that album overlapped with some of the early issues in our relationship. So like what album? The album is Corinne Bailey Ray, The Heart Speaks and Whispers. That's the album that like when you, if you were to talk about like the our struggles in 2017. It's just like immediately that album. My first breakup, like real breakup that hurt me was to Taylor Swift, 1989. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a like surprisingly heavy album. Yeah, for it Taylor is. Swift. That's like the power of music too. Because I think people, even people who don't like maybe have the connection with music, I think that you kind of re- like remember what you're listening to at certain times. Yeah. So anyways, Joni Mitchell's a really big deal. And her coming back into playing live music just felt really profound. And that is exactly the way it felt watching it. And so the way they have the the stage set up, Brandy plays her opening set. And you can see behind that there's a series of there's like a few couches, a couple of chairs. So they set it up because Joni Mitchell, she can't really stand. She can walk on a cane and with support, but she has to sit. And so everyone who was on the stage sat. And so when it was time for Joni to play, she came out and she took her chair. Brandy had a chair next to her. There was one couch with Lucius, Celise, Taylor. I can't remember his last name, but the guitar player. And then it was crazy, like behind behind Brandy and Joni was like Sarah McLaughlin was back there. Like Annie Lennox was back there. Marcus Mumford was back there. There were some other musicians that I just am not as familiar with who were involved. But it was all of these people who've been involved with these jam sessions with Joni for many years out on stage and they played the set in the same way that they had been playing at her house and Brandy did a really good job kind of explaining this isn't going to be a normal concert you know it's not going to be playing through albums and you know it was it was some of Joni singing Joni's songs with backup and support from the people who were there and then it was other people singing Joni's songs to Joni, which I guess is something that is done in those jam sessions. And then there were a handful of like covers that were thrown in. But it, there was also a lot of storytelling. A really enjoyable part was just hearing her tell stories of, you know, where she was when she wrote a certain song. She told a really h- hilarious story about Bob Dylan. It felt like you were just really sitting in on something special. It was really funny. They sang this song. The one with the line, it's just another asshole on his cell phone passing on the right, that song. I think it's Shine On, or at least it has that line, Shine. And so at the end of that song, everyone's got their cell phone flashlights going because it's dark. And Joni, I mean, she's not been around the music scene in a long time. So she asked, where did everyone get all those lights? Because it's there's so many. And they showed like a they panned around. It was really kind of something magnificent. And Brandy says, oh, it's their cell phones. And Joni just kind of laughed. She's like, oh, cell phones. You know, because the part of that song was about how cell phones are silly and it was just very felt very ironic. But yeah, the Joni set was amazing. And then apparently she just stays up until like 4 a.m. like hanging out. She doesn't go to sleep. So, (sighs) yeah, that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, for me, I'm like, 
I'm not somebody who I would self-describe as a music person. Like I grew up listening to women in songs, but beyond that, didn't really have like a real appreciation for it. Like I liked music and I liked certain bands, but I, I was never really someone to like really listen to the lyrics or like they were really meaningful in my life. I think really until Randy came and I was like, okay, I can connect to this. And like, you you really do start listening to the the lyrics and stuff. And I think a lot of it was in conjunction with getting very serious with you. And like, that was when we started talking about getting married, when I like started listening to Brandy, like you introduced me to her. So I wasn't super familiar with Joni Mitchell's music. Of course, I knew who she was, but like it didn't matter. It was like seeing that special thing. And I think seeing all of those really incredible, accomplished artists there kind of taking a backseat to supporting somebody else and really like making the night about her singing her songs. And like, yeah, there was literal support singing, but there was a lot of support and just appreciation being shared. The woman who sang with Prince for many years, like telling stories about she wouldn't be where she's at today if not for Joni. And it was like, even Annie was saying stuff like that. Like it was, it was really incredible to just to witness that sort of thing. For someone too, especially like Randy, who's talked about like in a lot of different scenarios, who she looked up to and her just as a songwriter and a singer, it was kind of cool to see Brandy putting something together like that for somebody who, as a young, young kid, probably like even, you know, Sarah McLaughlin was somebody that she saw at the Gorge when she was a kid. Like, yeah. just it, it all kind of came full circle. Yeah. And then the third night, Brandy played again with Tanya Tucker opened, which like what an incredible <laughs> spectacle that was. <laughs> She's hilarious. She was super entertaining. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know what's, what's Tanya talking about. Again, not familiar. And she came out there with a bang. Again, like 64 and just giving her. That show was great. So she, that was the one she played with the high women, which is just kind of, they came about, I guess, to bring attention to the shift in country music away from women artists. And which actually is true. Like if you listen to the radio, if you listen to country music radio, like, you don't really hear women anymore. Not like you used to. You know, Maren Morris is in that band. And she's, like, pretty popular. She's big on Spotify. She's really well-known. And she's like, I don't make the radio. When you compare me to my, like, my male peers. So I think that what they're doing is really good. And also, they just make killer music. Oh like, my really good. Really good songs. So we both, I think, became obsessed with Amanda Shires during that concert. Yes. Yeah. And again, like the the thing I love about Brandy and all of these women is that they've been doing it for a long time. Like Brandy's been in the industry forever. Natalie Hemby, who's another member of the High Women, been writing music for 20 years. Amanda Shires, again, like been, she toured with John Prine. Seven albums. Yeah. She's been doing this forever. And you're like, these are people you never, like you've, you've probably not heard of. And, you know, Maren Morris is the newest in the space. And even she's been doing this for a while now. So, yeah, it was really amazing to see. They, Amanda Shires did a cover of Hurricane by Bob Dylan that was, like, unbelievable. I like, cannot believe she's this talented and just not more well-known. It's wild. But, yeah, all three nights, I think everyone was a little bit tired on Sunday. But, like, that ended up being a really amazing show, too. So I'm so impacted by this weekend and I continue to be like it just sort of is like sitting with me that I sent out an email to my clients that was three lessons from the gorge. And I thought we could talk about those a little bit Mm -hmm. and then talk about some of the personal like our takeaways. The first lesson from the gorge and it was just something that we say, you know, we talk about grit all the time and we talk about persistence. We talk about being actively patient. We talk about working even when it's hard and you're struggling and you're not seeing the results that you want. Seeing Joni Mitchell up there, it was just a real testament to the power of grit and of persistence, but also of grace. Imagine that the thing that you've been doing for your whole life just kind of gets taken away from you. No fault of your own. It's just this freak thing that happens. And and all of a sudden, your ability to make music kind of goes away. You're not sure if you're going to get it back. You're not sure even if you like try 
if you'll get it back or if you'll you'll be able to draw crowds or if people will even care. And that took a long time for her. I mean, it's 2023 and this happened eight years ago and she's still dealing with the effects of that brain aneurysm and the amount of grace that it it would take to show up to an event and to walk out on stage and know that like you're not going to be your best. You're not going to be able to sing the songs that you used to sing in the same way. You're going to struggle and just accept that this is just who I am now. And I'm going to do it anyways. I wonder there probably, and maybe not, but maybe there was a fear of like, what if the audience is not, is expecting something more from me? What if they're disappointed? Yeah. Which of course nobody was. I mean, just seeing people was enough. A lot of these artists, I was thinking about it too, like as they age, there's probably a little bit of fear already of, of losing what they had. But that was like a big hit. And yeah, for someone who's so well known, yeah, it was it was very powerful. I just think it speaks to the amount of humility required to kind of like begin again. Mm-hmm. And it's something that Georgia talked about on her podcast with us several ago about the having the humility to ask for help, having the humility to be bad at something, be bad at something. Yeah. And sticking with it. Like I think most a lot of people out there just they can't handle that like being bad. There's the embarrassment, there's shame. They feel like, you know, if you can't do something perfectly, then why do it kind of thing. But it's like, no, it, it takes, you have to have that humility to get started and stay going. And then you have to have the grit to outlast it. And then obviously persistence, which goes with grit. And then the grace to accept that even at the end of all of that, it may just be different. Joni didn't start the Joni Jams to eventually get back on stage no it wasn't until she sang at newport that she told brandy like i want to i actually want to do that again that was really fun yeah she was doing the Joni jam she was working at it and she was surrounding herself with people and building back up because she truly loves it and wanted it back in any way shape or form and that got her to where she was this weekend like enjoying it in in a special way showing like being able to just like be a part of something special and showing up for so many people who have looked up to her and appreciated her music for many different reasons. But it was never like, I, I, you know, in seven years, I want to get back on that stage. She just was like, I love music and I want to I want to surround myself with it. This is how I play it now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. Gosh, yeah. And then seeing her sing. So most of the, the songs that she sung were partial or with a lot of assistance, but she did both sides now start to finish. I don't know if you remember that. I cried. I was like, okay, here we go. And then just like lost it. The second is the power of the people that you put in your life. And we've talked about this. We've posted about this, but how impactful the people that you surround yourself with are to your trajectory. And obviously can't speak with any amount of certainty here because we're not privy to details. We're not involved in any way. But having the group that Brandy kind of put together and was involved with get involved with Joni on a frequent basis had to have helped where she ended up, had to have helped her recovery. And just like, hey, like have some hope here. You're supported, you're loved no matter what. Like it it sort of creates this space where you can be creative and figure out, you know, how you want to be as a musician. Like that's the power of people. Well, and Brandy said it, and I think Marcus said it, it wasn't all just for Joni. Like they made each other better, more creative. They learned each other's songs. They yeah. they collaborated. I mean, Brandy and Marcus collaborated. I think everyone on stage at some point has collaborated with somebody else who yeah. was there that weekend. Like, and I, I don't know, I don't know music enough to say like that this is a new thing, but it to me it sounds like there's been more collaborations lately. Like we, you know, we watched a video the other day with Amanda Shires who we just spoke about. And Maren Morris was her backup singer. And it's like Maren Morris is a bigger deal than Amanda Shires. And it's also like the high women, all of these women have their own gigs. Like they don't need to be in this band, but they are. And it's like they're cre- they write songs for this band when they could just as well be writing songs for themselves and be using those songs for themselves. But it's like being involved with other people is huge huge to be to becoming the person that you are or that they they are and they said it themselves and i can say it too in my experience yeah so that's the second lesson and probably the most profound one in there 
I think the last note on that point that we made in the email was at the end, there are people who come into your life in times that you need it. There are people who come into your life at times when you don't know that you need it, but you do. But the main thing is, and I think a lot of people struggle with either asking for help or allowing people to help them, let people in, let people support you. They want to. It's not a burden. Sometimes I feel that way. I'm like, oh, I I don't want to ask for help because I'm burdening somebody. But when someone asks me for help, I'm so grateful that they've picked me to help support them. And I think it's, it's important to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Like, how would I feel if this person was asking me for help? It, it wouldn't be a burden. It wouldn't be a burden at all. And, and, you know, there might be one day where you support somebody and they support you back later on. But I think the takeaway is like, let people in, let people support you, create that community. Yeah. So many of us think like, oh, it, we have to live in this world and, and navigate by ourselves. It's just not the case. No. Yeah. And I think there's with social media, there's a lot of fake connection over perfect moments that make it onto the Internet and are then curated by the algorithm and put in front of your eyeballs. But really, the thing that connects all humans is vulnerability and struggle. It's the one thing that we all share. And it offers an enormous opportunity for connection because you don't know how how much you might end up supporting that person in some way by asking for help or just asking to share something with them. You don't know. It's the universal thing that connects us. The third and final lesson, I don't say final, there's like 100 lessons from this weekend, (laughs) but the third and final one that I put in the email, I called Once a Wolf, Always a Wolf. I loved this part of the show and the story so much. She has a song called The Wolf That Lives in Lindsay. And she was playing that song live at a show and she wanted a track of wolves howling to play at the end of the song for like the final chorus or the outro or something. And that was way back when you had to actually find tapes. And so she was trying to hunt down tapes of wolves howling. Also just hilarious how they used to do music. I know. Like, well, the, it's like, <laughs> yes, not even to the most hilarious part of the story. Yeah. Can't find it. But this guy that was, I guess they were wherever she was playing the show was like, well, I have a bunch of tapes in my apartment, you just have to come back to my party. And so she's like, all right. So she goes to the party and basically just, you know, the guy's like, oh, cool, you came. And she's like, where's my tape? So he uh, obliges and goes into his wherever he had his tapes and he couldn't find the one with wolves. He finally was like, look, I have this one, though. And it was like tracks of hyenas and lions or whatever, but no wolves. And so she kind of like begrudgingly took it and went home and put it in the tape deck to see if there was anything that she could work with. And she's like, at the end, there ended up being some wolves howling on the track. And she's like, it happened to be perfectly in key for the song, like wouldn't have to modify it at all. Took her tape deck to wherever the show was that night or the night after and basically got her photographer and was like, look, when I'm playing this song, when it gets to the final chorus of the outro, you're going to push this button. It was wolves howling. So she had that going in the background. They had mic'd up the tape deck. So she tells this story, which is a great story. And then Brandy, I think she asked the, you know, why don't you guys like, why don't you howl at Joni or whatever? So the whole audience, like 30,000 people are howling and it goes on for like a minute, like 90 seconds. It was pretty profound. And Joni was up there having the, you know, having a blast. Listen to it. She laughed a lot. She did. She was just kind of giggling the whole time. And it was just it was really special. Yeah. To see. And then the show went on for another like hour or 90 minutes. And at the end, they, you know, they walk off, they do their encore, and then they're all standing to up, up people clap to do the ovation. And right at the end, Joni Mitchell just howls into a mic, just howls. And so then, of course, everyone else starts howling back. And it was just this like amazing reminder that there are things that can change you, your life, your, the body that you're in, the ability that you have, but it doesn't change who you are. Once a wolf, always a wolf. Yeah. And I love that one. Like another takeaway for me was how unapologetically themselves those women were. And it really was a weekend of, of women. It really highlighted women. And I know like Marcus Mumford was there, and but there was something about that weekend. Yeah. And I think Brandy does a really good job of lifting up other females specifically and Sarah McLaughlin does a lot for women and Annie Lennox is a self-described feminist so there was there's just a lot of pro-feminism same with the high women they're you know very inclusive like we are the high women like there were things that were said during sets from all of them that just were kind of like I love this like they were very political statements statements about women statements about 
the state of the world right now, statements about LGBTQIA plus the community, the fact that it was Pride Month, like strong statements, like if you're not with us, like leave, like you're in the wrong place. Like if somebody was a homophobe at that campsite or at that concert, like it was very clear that you do not belong here. And it was very clear on every single one of those nights. Even Joni just like, you know, out of nowhere, love is love. She, I think she said love wins five times, just she randomly. Did. Love wins. And that can mean so many different things. And you can take it however you want. But it's a, it's a powerful message. She said some things about politics and recent politics. And it was just refreshing to hear that from people who are so big and yeah. so well known just to have to, to be like, I stand with you or I stand on this side. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And like in today's society, especially on social media, it's like it's just not something that you see a whole lot of. Well, yeah. And the experience of hearing someone like that say anything political or take a stand and then not having to deal with the dumpster fire of like comment section. Yeah, it's of, just like like by people who don't matter. Yeah, that goes to say like when you create a community that again, I, I, I keep talking about Brandy, but you see the community that Brandy has created. You can say, you know who you're around. You know what people are about. You know what they believe in. You know what they value. It was the biggest, safest place I've ever been in. It was just, it was incredible. And it was just, there was nothing... I mean, social media, you get everyone and, and there's value in that. But this was it was a really, yeah, safe space and a very inclusive space, but then inclusive in the way that we believe in. Yeah. And it's hard to put into words um, sometimes why like gay communities and being at events like this are so different than just like living in like a, a straight world. But it's like, you know, you're around people where you feel safe with. And when you tell them about your life, it doesn't feel like disclosure. It feels like sharing mm -hmm. and you can share anything about your life. Like I shared with complete strangers a lot about my life. And then we had someone who, you know, we sat with on the second day, basically share with us that she grew up a fundamentalist Christian. I got married young to a much older man. I am still married now. I'm not sure that that's going to last for the next year. And then when it is over, I'm not sure if I want to date men or women, I think I probably want to explore dating women. And I'm like, that's probably not something that person would share with just like anyone off the street. But that's how safe that space feels, because you can say everyone there. I mean, everyone has a story, but you can bet everyone, almost everyone there has a story that's tough in a lot of ways. It feels like you're not going to be judged for anything that you say. You're not going to be judged for who you are. You don't have to worry about being hated for who you are. You don't have to worry about physical violence for being who you are. You don't have to worry about that stuff. I remember feeling very similar. There was one other time I felt that, and that was at Toronto Pride. It was a real eye-opener. It was like, wow, there is no judgment in this space yeah. right now. I didn't feel it ever, not towards me, but generally towards anyone. It was just everyone was who they wanted to be on that day, and that was acceptable. And it just, it was, and it was very similar this weekend. It was like, Every anything goes straight yeah. people, gay people, people who whatever. The reality is what I wanted to do for the weekend. Like I knew we were going to be driving down there. I wanted to get like a, a flagpole for the truck bed. You know, how people have flags in their truck beds and I wanted to have a gay flag and I wanted to drive from Fernie to Washington with that flag. And I didn't do that. And it's not because I, I didn't get one. It's because I, I felt that it would be a a fundamentally unsafe decision to make. Agreed. There was one part of the trip that it was like Trump. You're in Trump country. Trump country. And I was like, oh, we better drive fast. Yeah. But when people when they, people are having a hard time grasping the difference, that's the difference. Yeah, you do. It's like you. it puts you on edge. Yeah. Especially in the U.S. right now. Yeah. Anyways, I, I will say that the one thing, too, that was a, a takeaway was the value of taking time away from work. Yeah. And work also including a fair amount of social media. I didn't bring my laptop. I brought my camera. I thought I could, you know, shoot some content if I wanted to. And even that, I was like, that feels like an invasion. I'm not going to do it. And aside from sharing some stories, we would go out biking, running. And we were when we were at the shows, like I, was, I was basically putting stories up and then closing my phone. Like I, I took four days off work, four days off social media for the most part and felt a thousand pounds lighter. I, I turned my data off for two days. Yeah, it's amazing. I was like, I don't even want the internet. Yeah, for us, that's a big deal. Like we turned off our signups and stuff. Just it's we the didn't, first time we didn't even want to see work coming in. Yeah. 
to, to be like, oh, I'm going to have to deal with that later. Because like I struggle with boundaries. I have a bad habit of checking my email all the time. And so if like if no emails are coming in or you have an out of office on that, you know, somebody is going to get the like, yeah, I'm out of the office and they're not wondering why you didn't respond within 24 hours. Like I like I didn't really check my email. I think I sent out a couple of emails back, but it was really refreshing. Yeah. And you come back feeling like different towards work. Everything. You really just feel like rejuvenate. I was exhausted from sleeping in a trailer, but mentally, like emotionally, even physically, I felt like, and especially having had just such an enlightening experience, it was, it felt good. It was the right thing to do. So the fourth lesson would be to take actual time away from your technology and work and connect with real people in life. Yeah. And then the fifth lesson is to be frugal with the water. Don't waste your water. (laughs) You know what I learned at the end, though? And this is so embarrassing because when I was trying to figure out what was going on with the water and like, idiot, it's out. I knew that in the back of my head. I realized that there was a button you could press to check your water levels. Oh. And when I checked it, it was on E. I was like, well, dang, it had like six red lights. And so it would just show you like incrementally as it would go down. I'm like, this would have been very handy. I had no idea. I couldn't have been more frugal. Nothing would have changed on my end. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You had a long shower in there. Absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, grace, grit, persistence, power of people. Once a wolf, always a wolf. Get off your fucking phone and don't waste water. Yeah. This is more of a tip. Okay. Oven fries can also be made in a pan. Oh, yeah. And so can air fried chicken breasts. Yeah. Yeah. Everything can be made in a pan. Everything can go in the pan. Yeah. If you were there, it was... We also met a bunch of people who follow us there. That was awesome. And a couple of clients. Yeah. Thanks for making time and saying, hey. And it's like never weird when you come up and people always say, I don't want to be weird. It's not weird. I love that. Mm -hmm. Anytime. But yeah, I'm glad we got to share that together. And thanks for listening to this podcast. We hope that you liked it. If you're not a Brandy listener, we hope that Not only will this inspire you to listen to Brandy, who will open your eyes to many more amazing artists, but also go listen to Joni. You can't get her on Spotify. You got to go to iTunes or YouTube. But And thank you, Meredith, for introducing me to the world of music. You know what? Don't mention it. It was either you're coming with me or I'm going to concerts by myself. Yeah, I mean, it was a selfish move on your part, but I'm all for it and appreciate it. It was a good experience and it continues to be a great experience. And I'm glad and we have a lot of songs that we can share together now. In good moments, not in breakups. No, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening and we will catch you on the next one. 